Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We are so glad that you have tuned in to be blessed by the Spirit and the Word of God. Hi, I'm Alan McMillan. I'm the senior pastor here at the Lighthouse, and I hope that you are blessed beyond measure with what you hear through the Word of God. Check us out at our website at lighthousekpt.com and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at LighthouseKPT. It would be our joy to get to know you better. We are getting right now into the word of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 17. And then we will read Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 7. I'm so thankful to have my beautiful wife with me. Uh, on this trip. So glad she was able to be uh, with me. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 17 says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. It says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Matthew 5 and verse number 7 says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I'm preaching to you today on this subject, investing in my own mercy. Investing in my own mercy. Father, we thank you today for your people. We thank you for your word that we have read in their hearing. God, I pray, Lord, that you will touch my mind, my mouth. Give me understanding and utterance to speak your word today. I pray that there will be a hearing and a responsive ear in your people today to hear and receive your word. And we will not fail to give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and let the church say amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? What a beautiful spirit of worship that has been in this house. What a great touch of the Lord that has been here already. There are a couple misconceptions that the world has about God. Not only among atheists and skeptics of Christianity, but also in certain demographics of Christianity, there is a misunderstanding about God. And that is that we have this concept that the God of the Old Testament is sort of this cosmic sky dictator who's angry all the time, and he's just sitting up in heaven on his gigantic throne waiting for humans to make mistakes so that he can kill them for their mistakes. If you do something really bad, God might even starve you to death really slowly, make it slow and painful. If it's really bad but not that bad, he may just strike you with lightning, get it over real quick, but either way you're dead. Because God is a God of judgment and he's angry all the time just waiting on people to mess up and make mistakes. There's also another misconception about God in Christ in the New Testament. There is an idea in the world that Jesus in the New Testament is kind of this pot-smoking Jesus who's in uh, wife beaters and flip-flops and just going around happy all the time. Don't make anybody happy, make anybody uncomfortable, just a, just a cool hipster guy who's just constantly making everybody smile. Well, both of those characterizations are wrong. 
You don't have to read too far into the New Testament to see a Jesus that is willing to go into his father's house, flip over some money changers' tables, drive them out with a whip because Jesus was very much concerned about the honor of his father's house. And so Jesus was serious about honoring God. And also the God of the Old Testament was, if you read closely, a God of kindness, a God of mercy, a God that cared deeply about his people. Psalm 103 and verse number 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. The God of the Old Testament is not that God that is angry all the time. That, he is not that God that is mean all the time. In fact, God is never mean. God may sometimes be righteous and just, but God is never mean. But God is a merciful God. In fact, the Bible says he is full of mercy. When you read in the Old Testament, we read phrases like God has pity on the poor, that God is merciful to the fatherless and the widows. God judged severely Israel in the Old Testament when they would overlook the disenfranchised within their communities. And God said, if you mess with the poor, if you mess with the widows, if you mess with the fatherless, God said, I will be their judge. I will be their defense. I will advocate for them. Aren't you thankful today for a God that loves those? that are helpless, a God that loves those that cannot defend themselves. I don't know about you today, but I'm thankful that God is a God of mercy. Lamentation 3.22 tells us this, that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Brothers and sisters, everybody in this room at least every adult in this room has been through something in your life, a place in your life where life hit you so hard that you did not want to get up in the morning. Life hit you so hard that you didn't know from one day to the next whether or not you wanted to live or die. But yet somehow, here you are today in the house of God. Yet somehow, here you are today in the presence of God worshiping him. What is it that brought you to this moment? You are not here because you were so spiritual. You are not here because you were so strong. You are not here because you were so smart the only reason why you were in the house of God today is it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed it is because his compassions do not fail I'm here today because God has been merciful to me I'd like to take the credit for you for it and tell you how spiritual I am. But I can't. There's some days I want to cuss people. <clears throat> it's not because I'm spiritual. It's because the mercy of God has kept me to this moment in my life. I, I'm not even here because of how much I love God. 
And don't get the thinking you are here because of how much you love God. John tells us that we love him because he first loved us. I'm not here because I love God. I'm here because God loves me. And my love for God is only my human heart's response to the overwhelming, reckless love of God. I'm here because God loves me. And what an incredible comforting thought. We love him because he first loved us. How many in the room besides me has ever had the devil tell you that God doesn't love you anymore? Can somebody be honest and raise your hand? The devil's told you God doesn't love you anymore. You know how to prove that wrong? Again, John says we love him because he first loved us. You know how to know that God loves you? If you love him, that is proof that God loves you. Because if God did not love you, you could not love him. So the fact that I love God today is proof that God loves me. So every day I wake up with a yearning in my heart for God, that means that God is sitting in the heavens with a heart that yearns for me. I love him because he first loved me. What an incredible revelation. Lamentation says that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And this is the part that I love. Verse number 23, they are new every morning. Great is that faithfulness. So notice what the writer is saying. Not only are his compassions amazing, not only have they been amazing in the past, not only is the mercy of the Lord the thing that has preserved us from being consumed, he said, but his mercy and his compassion is new every morning. The mercy of God is what woke me up today. But guess what? Not only is it new this morning, because his faithfulness is great. When I get up in the morning, guess what's going to greet me in the morning? The mercy and the compassion of the Lord is going to meet me when I wake up in the morning. There are two things that happens in every day. The first thing is the day itself. This is the day that the Lord has made. The first thing that happens every day is God makes the day. The second thing that happens every day is that God has a daily amount of mercy to help me to survive any given day. So when I wake up in the morning, guess what I can say? God designed this day for me. But not only did he design this day, he designed the mercy that I'm going to need to survive this moment in my life. Is anybody in the room today thankful for the daily mercy of God in your life? If you're thankful, why don't you give him a praise for it right now? Yeah. 
I only have quoted the verse. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And because he also made the mercy for it, I'm going to do what the rest of the verse says. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care what else is in my day. Mercy is in my day. I don't care what kind of hell breaks loose in my day. Mercy is in my day. And for that, I'm going to give God praise, glory, and honor for his mercy in my life. I'm not preaching with notes today. That's the reason why I need the sound men to help me. Psalm 124. And verse number one. See, I told him I got out of order. If it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side. Can you say it with me right now? If it had not been for the Lord, who was on my side. 129 in verse number one. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. Now may Israel say, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. Now I may have messed up, but I don't think I have. These are the only two verses in your Bible that says, Now may Israel say. There's two things that Israel should say. The first one is, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. The other thing Israel should say is, If it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side? telling half of the story if all you do is focus on many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. If that's all you can focus on, you're not saying everything you need to say about God. The other thing you need to say is if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Can I tell you the reason why you were here is not because you wasn't afflicted. The reason why you were in this room today is not because you didn't have an adversary or an enemy. The reason why you are here is because the Lord is on your side. Are you glad today that you got God on your side? It doesn't matter who afflicts you or who is against you. The Lord is on your side and God is going to keep you and preserve you. Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2. Oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth Forever. Verse number two is the verse we often quote in isolation. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? Say so. So. <laughs> so. Whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. What is the redeemed of the Lord to say? He says, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What are the redeemed of the Lord to say? The redeemed of the Lord are to say, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. 
Why is the redeemed of the Lord qualified to say that? Because they themselves have been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. The reason why the redeemed of the Lord can say the mercy of the Lord endureth forever is because we of all people are acquainted with the mercy of God in our lives. If there ought to be any place in this community that's saying the mercy of the Lord endureth forever, it ought to be in the community of the redeemed. Is there anybody in the room today that God has ever delivered you, set you free? Any ex-alcoholics in the room today? Are there any ex-drug addicts in the room today? Has God delivered you? Has God set you free? Then you ought of all people ought to be saying to those that are in need, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. It ought not to be that the church is the last place in the world that you should hear a message of mercy. You ought not get a more merciful message from anybody in your life than what you do the redeemed of the Lord. Verse number nine, but we often think of the mercy of God in terms of we say things like, the Lord helps those who help themselves. And we think of mercy as that thing God does for people to bail them out of situations that are beyond their control. And that if you mess it up, then that's on you. You will have to fix that. Can I tell you, the mercy of God is so much bigger than God just helping me out of stuff that I can't control. He said, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Give me down through verse number 15. Th- thank you. Such as that sit in darkness are, and in, are in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Because they rebelled against the words of God. And they contempt the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. And they fell down and there was none to help. The reason why they were in this mess is they rebelled against the word of the Lord. They contemned the counsel of the Most High. And God brought them down and there was nobody to help them. Then the Bible says they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And what did God do? He saved them out of all their distresses. Can I preach to you today about a God that don't just deliver you out of situations that are beyond your control. I'm preaching about a God that will deliver you out of message of your own making. I'm preaching to you about a God that will get you out even when you make stupid decisions. I'm preaching about a God that's so merciful he'll bail you out when you did things that you knew you should not have done. But God is so merciful that when you cry to him He will deliver you. What did he do? He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. Break their bands asunder. And notice what our response to God bailing us out in those situations ought to be. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Is there anybody in the room today that's a testimony to the goodness and the mercy of God upon your life? Come on, come on. This is your opportunity to give God praise for what he's done for you. 
You remember that situation you thought you'd never survive, but here you are on the other side of that situation in the house of God. Why don't you give him praise for it right now and let him know how thankful you are for his goodness in your life. Now, there's a shift of responsibility. Matthew 5 and verse number 5 says, Blessed are, or 5 and verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Proverbs eleven seventeen told us that the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. So the mercy of God, brothers and sisters, is not just something that God wants to show to you. But mercy is something that God wants to show through you. So I don't just want to be an object of mercy. I want to be a conduit of mercy. That if God has been merciful to you, you are now under divine obligation to show to others the mercy that you have received. God has been merciful to us, but guess what he says? Blessed are the merciful. The merciful are the people who show mercy to others. But here's the incredible thing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, future tense, obtain mercy. You see, I've received mercy in the past, but my ability to receive mercy in the future is to show my appreciation for God's past mercy by being mercy to other, merciful to others in the present. And by being merciful in the present, I am unlocking mercy for myself in my future. So that if God has been good to me, if God has been merciful to me, but I refuse to be merciful to others, then I am cutting myself off from my own future mercy. Preachers rarely tell you to do this, but I'm going to encourage you to be selfish today. Think about yourself. Act in your own self-interest. Because when you show mercy to others, it is not about them. It is not about what they did or did not do. When I show mercy to someone, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for my own benefit. Because if I show you mercy, then I in return am going to get more mercy in my future. So that when I give you mercy, I'm actually giving myself mercy. I'm investing in my own mercy now. Bishop, please forgive me. Bishop, Pastor McMillan, please forgive me because I am going to mess with a little portion of y'all's covenant today. And I'm so sorry to have to do this, but it was in my message and I did not know that you guys were going to do this, but I'm going to mess with it today. And I'm asking for mercy in advance. Luke 6 and verse number 36. Be therefore merciful, 
as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Now here's the verse. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now I know the principle can apply to taking up offerings and giving tithe and offering. But in context, that verse is not about putting a dollar in the offering plate. That verse is about mercy and forgiveness, judgment, and condemnation. Forgive, and it shall be given or forgiven you. And then it goes right into give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So let's put it in context. Forgive, and it shall be forgiven you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the same measure you give, it shall be measured to you again. But not only does it work for forgiveness and mercy, it also works for judgment and condemnation because that's in the context. Now let's put it like this. Judge and you shall be judged. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with what measure ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Condemn and you will be condemned. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with what measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now there are four investment opportunities in this text. Mercy, judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. And all four of those investment options pay the same ROI. They pay the same return on investment. All four of those investment opportunities will pay you back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. <laughs> now, it all depends on what you want to invest in. If you want to invest in judgment and condemnation, then you're going to make an incredible profit. You are going to get judgment and condemnation, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You're going to have more judgment and condemnation than you'll know what to do with if that's what you will invest in. Brothers and sisters, but what you invest in is what you're going to have to retire to. You cannot invest in judgment and condemnation and retire to mercy and forgiveness about you but I made up in my mind I am tired of investing in condemnation I am tired of investing in judgment I want to retire to forgiveness and mercy in my life and so I've closed down my judgment and my condemnation investments I've shut them down I've taken all of my energies out of judgment and condemnation and I went, uh, I went to the Jerusalem Investment Agency, the New Jerusalem Investment Agency, and I switched all of my money into a mercy market. I put everything in the forgiveness 401k. 
Because when it comes my turn to retire, I want mercy and forgiveness to come back to my life. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You see, when I invest in mercy and forgiveness, I'm not going to get back exactly what I put in. What's coming back to me is going to be good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and it's still going to run over. So when I give mercy and forgiveness, I'm going to get it back, but it's going to be exponential. When I give judgment and condemnation, I'm not just going to get back what I, what I gave because I'm not just giving it, I'm infesting it. And judgment and condemnation is going to get pressed down, shaken together, and it's going to run over. So if I give you judgment and condemnation, it's not going to be as bad for you as it is for me. So whatever amount of judgment and condemnation I give you, it might hurt. But rest assured, knowing that whatever I gave to you is only the seed for a harvest that's going to come back to me. So however judgmental or condemning I am to you, it's not going to be as bad for you as it is for me. Because it's going to come back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. So when people offend you and hurt you and intentionally try to destroy you, you shouldn't become angry at them. You should feel sorry for them because you should know that whatever it is they did to you, it's going to come back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, that it's going to be much worse for them than what, what it was for you. So you shouldn't be angry at them. You should feel sorry for the investment that they are going to have coming back into their life. But if I show you mercy and forgiveness, Guess what? It's not going to be as good for you as it is for me. Because whatever I give you in mercy and forgiveness, it's going to come back to me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So when I forgive you and show you mercy, you ought to be excited for me because you should know that whatever forgiveness I gave you was only the initial investment. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, return that's going to come back on my own life. <clears throat> Two stories, and I'm going to be done. Matthew 18, and I'm going to paraphrase. There was a servant who was in an incredible amount of debt, 10,000 talents to be exact. And the Bible says that the king called the man in for a meeting. And when you go to a meeting with a king, uh, you're probably going to be in his private quarters. The king is not going to meet you down at the local Starbucks and, and sit there and chill with you in front of everybody. When you get called before a king, you are going into a private meeting with the king. This servant went before the king in a private meeting, owing 10,000 talents worth of debt. Somehow, he and the king fixed it all. The Bible says that he pled, please have mercy, be, be merciful. I, I, can't, I can't pay it. There's no way I'll ever be able to pay it. And the king forgave the man his debt. <clears throat> when he walked out of the private meeting with the king, 
he walked out free as a breeze without a trap. Nobody in here knows Ray Stevens. <coughs> he walked out free as a breeze in, without a trapeze in his. <laughs> For those of you that are spiritual, know that old gospel hymn, and you'll know what I'm talking about. <coughs> he walked out of that meeting with the king looking like Everything was all right. Looking like he had squared up his business, that he took care of everything, and that he didn't owe the king anything. He come out looking like an honorable, profitable servant because the king let him walk out looking debt-free <clears throat> when, in fact, he had owed the king 10,000 talents. So he received a private mercy from the king. What did he do with his private mercy? He took his private mercy and went and found a man who only owed him 100 pence, much less than the debt that he owed to the king. In public, he took the man and grabbed him, demanded that he pay him in front of everybody, humiliates the guy over 100 pence in public, after having just been forgiven of 10,000 talents in private. And when the king's servants saw it, they went and told the king what was happening. And the king called the man, the privately forgiven man, back in. And the book says that he placed every bit of that man's debt back on him because he refused to publicly forgive when he had been privately forgiven. How often we, with great debts in our lives that we owe to God, are forgiven privately and nobody ever knows about our failure. And we walk away looking like we got everything together because of a private mercy that the king has showed to us and then we turn right around and hold somebody with a much lesser debt against us publicly accountable for what they did to us you know what the king did he said all right son all right all right servant you're in the private judgment you're in the prior public judgment public condemnation check this out throw him into prison and put 10,000 talents worth of debt back on him. Now notice this. He only refused to forgive 100 pence. And when the king called him in, he didn't say, I'm giving you 100 pence of your debt back. You refuse to forgive 100 pence, so I'm going to put 100 pence back on you. No. He refused to forgive 100 pence, but guess what he got? He got 10,000 talents of judgment. You see, a 100 pence judgment turned into a 10,000 talents worth of judgment. It came back to him, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He was cast in the prison. He walked out of that meeting with the king with a brand new lease on life. He was free. He could have accomplished anything in life that he wanted to accomplish. He had a brand new slate. Now he's cast into prison. And now he is cut off from all of the future potential. 
that he could have had in his life. I don't know about you, but I do not want judgment and condemnation to imprison me and cut me off from all of the future potential, all of the future ability in the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. I want to learn what it means to forgive and to not condemn. What the man should have done was he should have come out and given the same mercy and forgiveness that he received in private. He should have given it in public. That's the reason why whenever a preacher fails or anybody fails and messes up and it's known publicly, don't come to me asking me to jump on your condemnation and judgment bandwagon. When a saint of God messes up and everybody knows it, don't come ask me to get on your public judgment and condemnation train. Why? Because I know what the king has forgiven me of in private. And I refuse to take my private mercy and my private forgiveness and turn it into public condemnation and into public judgment. I am going to give to my brothers in public what my king has given to me in private. And I don't care what it does to my reputation. I don't care what people say about me. I know how good the king has been to me. And so I am going to give the same mercy that I received in private to others in public. Oh, hallelujah. See, we get all offended when people tell lies on us. You shouldn't be offended when people lie on you. You should be worried that God might tell the truth on you. We get all flustered about the kind of damage what people say about us that's untrue causes. They lied on me. What's that going to do to my reputation? Well, their lie can't hurt you near as much as what God could truly say about you. So I'd rather let you lie on me than let God start telling the truth on me. Because if God started pulling out all of my privately forgiven debt, he could do way more damage to me than what you and your petty little lies can do. And so what I'm going to do is let you get by with your story because I got a whole other hidden story. I said, I've got a whole other hidden story that nobody knows about that the king has forgiven me of an incredible amount of debt. And so I'm going to let you get by with yours because I do not want God telling his. Final story. Final story. I don't think anybody in here wants God telling all your story, do you? I don't think anybody in here wants God telling the whole truth about you. So just let people do theirs, say theirs, tell theirs. It's fine. There's a story in Joshua chapter 2 where Joshua sent in spies as they were spying out the land to take Jericho. And he sent in these spies, and they came to the house of Rahab the harlot. And uh, a couple 
Jewish spies in a neighborhood that <clears throat> they're not used to hanging out in. I was born and raised in Louisiana, so you know how us Southerners are when somebody new comes into town, shows up at the barber shop. Everybody knows they don't belong there. You ain't from around here, are you? So there's a couple Jewish-looking dudes in the neighborhood that wasn't from around there. <clears throat> the king heard about it. Sent some guys around to Rahab's house to check out the situation. <clears throat> in the meantime, the Bible says that Rahab had laid some flax in order. Bro, that's, that's sacrificial priestly language. I'm not going to go off on that. But she laid it in order. So what Abraham did when he laid the wood in order. <clears throat> another time, another day. She laid the flax in order. She put the spies behind stacks of flax. And when the king's men came by looking, Rahab, <clears throat> being the good old girl that she was, honorable occupation, Good old girl, kind of friend you want to have will lie for you in a bind. I mean, just a good old girl. <clears throat> the king's men came by and she said, no, they're not here. They, they went out the city gate when it got dark. And if you will hurry, I think you can catch them. <clears throat> when the king's men went chasing this fool's errand, she goes and gets the spies behind the laden order stacks of flax. And says, I'll make a deal with you. I'll spare you. I will show you kindness today. It's the same word in the Hebrew for mercy. I will show you mercy today. If when you come back <clears throat> to take Jericho, you will be merciful to me and my family. Rahab was not saving those two spies for the spies' sake. She would have had political advantage for turning them over to the king. She could have got personal advantage from turning them over. She wasn't saving the spies for the spies' sake. She was setting up a deal for her own future mercy. She said, I will show you mercy today. If you will come back and show me mercy when you come back in the future. incredible to me in Joshua chapter number 6. When they came back to take the city, the Bible says that they burned the entire city. They destroyed everything. Man and woman. Except verse number 22. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country. Notice who he sends back to Rahab's house. He didn't just send back two random spies. The same exact spies that she had saved, he sent them back to her house. Be careful what you show mercy to right now because that same thing is going to come back to your house later. And spied out the country. Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she had. One verse in Joshua says her 
her mother, her father, and her brethren. She showed them mercy in the moment. But guess what? When mercy came back, mercy did not say, you saved two of us, so we'll save you and one more. You see, mercy is not a savings account. Mercy is an investment portfolio. Mercy did not come back and say, Rahab, we got you and more, one more because you only saved two of us. When mercy came back to Rahab's house, mercy came back, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Rahab only showed mercy to two spies, but mercy saved Rahab, her mom, her father, all of her brethren, and everything that she owned. While her mercy was away, there was an uptick in the mercy market. While her mercy was away, there was a boom in her forgiveness, 401k. And when mercy came back to Rahab's house, it came back good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You know why I'm showing mercy to you, Rahab says? I got a family that needs to be saved. I got a family that needs mercy. And if I'll show you mercy, mercy's going to come back to me and mine. It's going to come back to me and my kids. Careful how bad you criticize that teenage girl in another family that gets pregnant out of wedlock. One of these days, that three-year-old baby of yours is going to grow up, and you may need some mercy in your future for your own baby. But I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me and mine. I'm not showing you mercy for you. You, I don't even like you. You're obnoxious. Your kids are mean. I wouldn't take you to McDonald's to buy you a Happy Meal to break a 40-day fast. I don't like you. Not you. Another you somewhere else. I ain't doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I'm giving you mercy because I know my household is going to need mercy. I'm giving you mercy because I know my family's going to need mercy. Is there anybody in the room today that not only wants to be a recipient of mercy, but wants to be a conduit of the mercy of God in your life? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Come on, invest in your own mercy today. Whatever that thing is that's been plaguing you and bothering you, let it go. Forgive them. I know it's worn out, but I wish I could go frozen today and just sing to you and tell you to let it go. <coughs> let it go, let it go. Gossip never bothered me anyway. Come on, I don't care what they said about you. You've got four options here. You can do judgment, condemnation, that's fine. But just know that whatever you give them is going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Let me tell you about an incredible investment option. However bad they did you, however much mercy and forgiveness is required, it's only a seed for what will come back to you. 
And so I say, if you're going to cross me, cross me big. Don't just ignore me in church and refuse to shake my hand. Do something big. If you're going to hurt me, cut me deep. Because whatever I have to do to forgive you is just a seed for what I'm going to get back in return. So I want to forgive you big because I want your hurt. I want your stupidity to be the catalyst for God to put incredible blessing, incredible favor, incredible mercy on my life. Is there anybody in the room today that's going to let God use you to forgive somebody that don't deserve it? Is there anybody in the room today that's going to let God help you to let something go? They may have never apologized. They may never ask for forgiveness. They may never come and tell you that sorry but forgive them anyway because it will come back good measure pressed down shaking together and running over thank you so much for joining us today we hope that today's message has blessed you for more information about lighthouse church check out our website at lighthousekpt.com you can also check us out on all social media platforms at lighthouse kpt don't forget to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the most recent content from Lighthouse Church. Thank you all. Have a great day and God bless.